right. So welcome to the 1909, your home at the State News for everything happening on campus and around Lansing. I'm not your host, Lily Gwinney. I'm actually Liz Noss, the, um, the host of House Lights here, your one-stop shop for everything you need to hear about in entertainment that week. Um, but Lily is out sick, so I am filling in for her. Uh, we love the 1909 here, so obviously I had to say yes. All right, so let's get right into it. We're going to start today with Alex Walter's story on MSU obtaining rare emergency readiness accreditation. Um, MSU is the only university in the Midwest or the Big Ten that holds this accreditation, which means we are super safe and super, super prepared in all safety crises, such as, you know, mass shootings, natural disasters, and of course, as we have seen, public health crises, such as COVID-19. Uh, this is a second accreditation that we've gotten, and each accreditation lasts for about five years. And apparently it's harder to get for the second time, so definitely good on us. Um, MSU Police Department uh, spokesperson Dana White said, the reason why accreditation is important to us is that we want to have our campus you know, feel safe and know that we're making these efforts toward improving our safety responses. And, you know, the accreditation doesn't just come from our preparedness for you know, future crises. Some of them come from even just small efforts not related to that, such as security at football games or uh, COVID-19 centers that we've had at the Breslin in the past. So, you know what? Congratulations, MSU, on that. Fantastic job. Um, this one's fun. This is Maggie George's story on how students can take care of themselves during the winter semester. So obviously stress is coming in now that winter break is far gone and we are far within the spring semester. So our public health and mental health reporter is going to tell us how to take care of ourselves physically and mentally. Um, health is the capacity of an individual at any given time to be in this world, to interact with the world and to give back to the world, Director of Health Promotion Dennis Martell said. Um, around 10,000 students at MSU sort of claim they had that, you know, the first sign of stress and, su and such is the sleep problems. Um, so that sort of, you know, plagued them and sort of made their health, you know, start to decline. And Martel explained that if you don't catch up on sleep, it will catch up on you. Other problems in health that we start to see um, in, in the winter semester is eating habits. And Martel also said that intuitive eating needs to take place with students more often because uh, you need to reject the mentality that food is either bad or good for you. But eating, but you need to eat what, you know, you crave to fuel your body. Um, and another thing um, is that you need to have a mindset uh, to achieve good health, or at least a high capacity of it, um, that there needs to be a mindset that food is nourishment and a source of energy, not something that you should be shamed for, which I think a lot of, you know, college students feel on this campus. Um, also, apparently cold weather that, that Michigan winters uh, can bring um, brings cravings for carbohydrates, and that students should be reaching for carbs from fruits and vegetables to keep their energies, um, their energy levels from crashing. So that's a fun little tip. Uh, George also wrote about, you know, coping mechanisms during this time with stress and such. And how, you know, it's good to have coping mechanisms, but only if they're healthy to your body, like playing sports, meditation, reading a book, etc. You know, and, and if coping mechanisms are going to become unhealthy to you, then it could, you know, stand in the way of your success as a student or just, you know, as a friend, as a person. <laughs> Martel talked kind of about what success looks like compared to your well-being. He said, what does success mean? Does it mean you're going to go without sleep, go without food, or go without resting your mind so that you can get a 4.0? And I think that's a really good uh, question to bring up, you know, because we get really wrapped up 
in, you know, the superficial things that, you know, make or break our semester. But really, it should be about taking care of yourself and such. And I think that's what Maggie sort of gets at in this article. Um, and, and she also talks about the educational system may just not be set up for, you know, success in your in your personal life with consistent undersleeping or undereating or overeating, whatever it is. But it's constants in college life that we are being put under the stress that pushes back our, you know, mental or physical health in the priorities, you know, a, you know, below a book review or whatever. Um, and though it may be intimidating, um, you know, Maggie and the other uh, and Maggie and the sources in the article sort of invite students to strive to feel well in a system that at times, you know, punishes those who prioritize themselves. So I thought that was a really important article this week. Um, another article from City, our City GA Kelsey Dantma wrote a story on Lansing this week being placed under code blue and local shelters um, being open to help people stay safe from the cold weather. Um, Mayor Andy Shore enacted the code blue on Tuesday, January 31st at 5 p.m. and it should end around Sunday, February 5th. The cold weather response plan is to help those who may be endangered by the weather and would need warming centers in Lansing to get through the five-degree weather predicted this week, which is insane. Um, so just some information on some of those shelters, if it's needed. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, shelter locations uh, during the day are can be found at the Holy Cross Services or New Hope uh, Community Center located on 430 North Larch Street, and then at night, Holy Cross Services and the New Hope Community Center are still open, as well as the Outreach Drop-In Center um, and the City Rescue Mission of Lansing. Um, for Saturday and Sunday ones on the weekend, the day one that you can visit is the Advent House Ministries, um, and then at night, it's the Outreach Drop-In Center again and the City Rescue Mission um, of Lansing. Wajia Kamal also wrote this week that there was no foul play suspected in the Knob Hill apartment fire that happened on December 21st. Um, the, the Meridian Township Fire Department has concluded that the cause of the fire um, was undetermined uh, with no showings of foul play whatsoever. So no suspicion of any sort of crime that led to this fire. Um, the origin of the fire did start on a couch in the garden level apartment, um, but there was no showings of anything that was wrong with it. So um, at least there's no, there's going to be no criminal charges pressed against that sort of fire that, um, that took one person's life. Um, the next story is from me. Yay. On the East Lansing School Board uh, emergency meeting on school safety. So basically, I'm writing a really long-form story on all the school safety problems at East Lansing High School. So I, like, I have a lot of knowledge on the subject, but here's kind of like the rundown of what happened um, at the over three-hour school board meeting that I attended. Um, because of the multiple shelter-in-place lockdowns that have happened due to the threat of gun violence, as well as just a series of fights between two groups of students that have occurred over the last couple weeks. And I mean, these fights are at the basketball games, at school, during passing periods. Um, there's a, a one after the basketball game led to a gun falling out of someone's backpack. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, fear around that gun violence. So they decided to, you know, take a minute to look over why some of these things were happening and uh, make changes. They were actually closed um, this past Friday um, to, you know, have um, meetings between all these um, departments to figure out what, they think they need for safety changes at the East Lansing High School. Um, some of these immediate changes that they talked about at the meeting included having only one door for student entry and increased supervision as well as a district wellness leader coming into the school to discuss mental health with students. Um, Short-term changes that will take about 
what they think is a month um, to implement, um, you know, include the reinstatement of a program where suspended students will receive rehabilitative help and continue learning, um, and the addition of increased alarm doors and security personnel throughout the building, um, and long-term changes uh, that will take more than a month, probably a couple months, um, aims to introduce the school, you know, with meetings of public safety, uh, service sectors in the building. So they're going to want to talk to the library, city council, and all that um, to talk about, you know, what needs to happen citywide, not just school-wide, as well as the removal of exterior doors um, that are out of use and staff de-escalation training. Uh, One of the things that, you know, I've talked about for this long-form story um, is that one of the suggestions is bringing back a human resource officer. A lot of students are pushing for that, as well as some of the staff, but they don't have any plans yet to put that into place. Um, and even though these changes were the most pivotal parts of the meeting, I was more intrigued um, during the over two-hour-long public comment time where students, parents, and teachers all came to the school to you know, give their piece to the um to the school board and sort of, you know, give their ideas as well as just their grievances and their fear. And um, many of them were rooting for Kath Edsel, newly elected president of the board, to step down from her position due to insensitive comments that she made. Um, At one of the last emergency meetings due to safety issues, she, I, I believe she told one of the parents that saying, I'm scared, wasn't helpful which got her in a lot of trouble. Um, Obviously, she gave a a very teary um, apology to it at the meeting, but obviously that didn't go over well because by the end of the meeting, um, those parents and those teachers kind of got what they wished, and she did resign. Um, However, the most moving part for me was when the mother of one of the, you know, quote-unquote problem students that were part of the fights came and spoke at the meeting, saying that the school, you know, was no longer including her on discussions about her son as they have in the past, and that she sort of wished that the school would give him the social resources to thrive because she had pulled him out of the educational, you know, part of school, and she put him on online school, and he was succeeding and um, all of that, but... Unfortunately, he was brought back into this drama of the two groups of students, and he was snuck into the school, and he was um, unfortunately part of one of the fights. And so the school hasn't told her anything about this, at least she claimed that they haven't. And she also, one of the biggest parts for me is that she also condemned the parents who are now, you know, blaming her child and sort of, you know, making him a villain in the story when... You know, they used to cheer him on at their sports games along with the teammates that are actually the kids who are, you know, causing these huge fights. So I thought that was that was really moving. I also loved that um, a parent came in and gave a 48 page document with suggestions that parents had for the school board for school safety. I thought that was really not not funny, but, you know, just like a funny move to take. Like, let me tell you how we're going to be able to solve this. So that was a great move. All right. The next story we're going to talk about, uh, CMOD wrote about the behind the scenes of spring sorority recruitment Um, with a more relaxed look at recruitment than it is in the fall, you know, with Spirit Day, Philanthropy Day. I do want to let everyone know on this podcast that I did drop sorority right after the first day, which I believe was Spirit Day. Um, Just wasn't for me. But, you know, it it looks a lot more relaxed in the spring semester because you don't have all those sort of days. But most people don't really know what the ins and outs look like to rush in the spring compared to fall because fall is so, you know, 
glamorized and spring is more low-key um you know but obviously it's still sorority recruitment and a lot of the people that um modi talked to you know said there's a lot of worry for girls that you know they don't look good enough or they aren't rich enough to be part of some sorority but um alpha omicron pi chapter president brooke donovan said we don't care what you look like we really just want genuine valuable members who want to be leaders and in general want to be here to contribute and have fun with us um Donovan also said they would rather focus on talking about philanthropy and like the core values of the sorority rather than just the surface level things that, you know, sometimes that's the only thing you can talk to with people in fall recruitment because it's such a fast moving process. So spring kind of allows um, sorority recruitment to be a little bit more relaxed and be able to have those more important conversations on day one rather than day five when you've already decided uh, what sorority you want to get into. Um, this is also a good time uh, to recruit for girls who maybe didn't get a bid in the fall or didn't maybe have the desire to rush with the whole, you know, week-long scenario. So um, definitely an interesting story on recruitment because I feel like we don't talk about Greek like life enough around here. So very cool. Um, Amalia Medina wrote this week for Campus Desk about the research team that's developing a voice-activated AI accessible to people who stutter. Uh, Dr. Nihar Mahapatra from the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at MSU first got the idea to, um, you know, create this AI for the project when he heard about um, work on stirring on the radio. It inspired him to consider how he could use expertise to help people who stutter. He, he searched on the Internet and found anecdotes from people who shared their frustrations with voice-activated AI that either could not recognize their speech or didn't give them enough time to finish speaking. Um, this new AI, you know, helps, you know, helps people understand those who stutter and, you know, allows for programs like Siri and such to get better designs to actually understand people who, um, you know, aren't able to um, communicate with AI the way that other people are due to uh, a disability. So, however, but it may be able to reach out to other places. Um, one of the researchers said you know it's an endless opportunity to add stuff stuttering is what we're focused on right now but speech differences are present across the board from individuals who have had traumatic brain injuries or a stroke to articulation disorders or even cancer patients to more just everyday diversity in speech um, such as english as a second language and so many different dialects and accents and just ai has a lot of uh you know a long way to sort of catch up with all of that um so ai is not that great at understanding any of those like dialects and such yet um, so I, th you know, this research is obviously looking to expand, but I think that focusing on stuttering individuals and, you know, individuals that have that disability, um, will definitely be interesting to follow and, um, you know, definitely noble for, uh, scientific discovery. Oh, and another story I'm covered on. I'm so special. Thank you, Lily. I went to the anti-abortion rights protest for Protect Life Michigan this past Saturday, um, they were basically kind of there to do two things. They were marching on the Capitol for two goals. Uh, it's protest Prop 3 and also show that they're, you know, not going anywhere to Michigan politics who have already, you know, kind of decided that they're not on an anti-abortion anti rights majority anymore with the changing of the state constitution. I believe that uh, the executive director, Kristen Paula, uh, quoted to me, uh, we're going to hold their feet to the fire sort of thing. 
um, which obviously we haven't seen uh, after Prop 3 yet. So that it, it was interesting. I talked to a lot of young girls who were outspoken on how abortion can hurt their demographic. And also the executive director is making sure that people know about their continuing fight to now put guardrails around Prop 3. Um, the speakers were also outspoken in a way, comparing their fight against abortion to the fight to end the Nazi regime and segregation. And advocate Scott Klusendorf uh, said out loud to the entire crowd that it was colder today, which today was that past Saturday, than Gretchen Whitmer's reception at the pearly white gates. So that is something. Other people were just, you know, there to show their solidarity and speak for the unborn. Um, But that is all the stories today that we have time for. But thank you so much for listening. Um, I actually think that I might be back on with Ali next week to talk about a story that I wrote. So that is super exciting. Um, But I have loved hosting the 1909, even if it's just for, um, you know, one day. But come back every Monday to hear the uh, campus and city stories from the state news uh, with Ali Gwinnie. And, of course, just a little self-promo. Um, every Wednesday, House Lights, entertainment. It's great. We have a fantastic time. All right, have a great rest of your day, and, I'll, and Lily, we'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye.